1: Welcome to Mind, Body, and Business, a podcast that explores topics, perspectives, and actionable insight for a strong mind and healthy body, along with empowering conversations to help you handle your business. I'm your host, Maria Moore, and in today's episode, EMDR Certified Therapist, Yonetta Spring, will join me to talk mental health, mindfulness, realistic habit change, and ways we can tap into our own power for a happier life. So let's jump into it. And I'll start things off by saying that at the very inception of mind, body and business, I knew I wanted to have both insightful and empathetic conversations with therapists on this podcast and to have you as my very first one is such a joy. So I Mm -hmm. want to start off by saying thank you so much for taking the time to do this.
0: I appreciate you having me on. I love that you're doing this.
1: Yanetta, I wanted to start because you talk about being an EMDR therapist. E-M-D-R. I, you know, I naturally, the old school hip hop in me wants to say, oh, EPMD. Yeah, I know about that. But uh-huh. uh, tell us, <laughs> tell me about EMDR
0: therapy. What is that? Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It kind of started out really um, working with helping to heal trauma. But as we progress with EMDR, you know, we realize that you can use it for multiple things. So pretty much anything that you would come to therapy for, uh, whether it be um, anxiety, depression, uh, PTSD, trauma, OC, like any anything. Um, mainly what we do is we use eye movements to help desensitize like traumatic memories and events, and help reprocess them um, in an adaptive way. So yeah. when we experience something painful or traumatic our brain kind of gets stuck um, and it drops into like survival mode. So like if you had something challenging, something happened to you, every time you encounter something that feels similar, looks similar, your body's going to respond, you know, in a certain type of way. What EMDR does is it helps us to kind of reprocess to where you're not stuck um, in that trauma space every time you encounter something that reminds you of something that happened in the past.
1: When I think about like traumatic experiences, especially the emotions associated with them, I've always looked at problems that are rooted in emotions that mm-hmm. they have to have an emotional solution. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's biological. It has to do with how you're processing things. And there's like a whole science to actually breaking it down.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it makes it to where, you know, a lot of times when people struggle with triggers, Or with setbacks, they think it's them, like I'm broken. Something's wrong with me because I can't get over this. Mm. Um, But when we unpack what EMDR does, it tells you that like, this is your body's natural way of surviving. It views whatever that's, you know, in front of you is dangerous, right? Last time you were in a situation like that, this went down. So if it comes up again, you know what? I got your back and I'm going to come in and interfere. But the reality is it's not always something that's dangerous. Like it's not always the case. So once we can process that memory in an adaptive way, then you can kind of continue to live your life smoothly and not feel like you get tripped up and
1: triggered all the time. And I can imagine that's so important, especially as people are trying to establish themselves inside of a relationship and they're referencing these negative experiences from the past. Mm -hmm. Can you give like a specific example of how that would work inside of a relationship? Say for instance, you
0: have an abandonment trauma of some sort, right? When you were younger, somebody left you. And that was really difficult for you to, to deal with. So now that you're in a relationship when your partner needs time and space away, when they want to take care of themselves, that part of your trauma gets activated. And you're like, well, you know what? If you are gonna go, you could go, Mm. right? (laughs) You know what I mean? Because you're trying to prevent something that happened before from happening again, because your brain doesn't recognize like, okay, now you're an adult, now this is a relationship, now it's it's okay and it's healthy to have time apart, right? Your brain is interpreting that because it hits that part of your system that feels the grief and the loss, it automatically associated, associates it with that past event. Yeah. Um, so that's something that comes up a lot in relationships where I'm not leaving you. I just need a break from you. You just get yeah, uh-huh. right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we just need some time apart for a minute, and that that wound gets activated, and you respond as if I'm not going to be that little girl getting left again, or I'm not going to be that man that gets abandoned again, and you kind of jump the gun and address it from a past perspective.
1: You know, when someone is in like the thick of depression or they're experiencing extreme anxiety, negative Mm -hmm. emotions, when they've fallen behind or they gain weight or they feel like they've experienced a setback in their fitness journey, um, they try to go from level two back up to level 10. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk about pacing? Like when you're in a really dark place, Mm -hmm. sometimes people are always trying to sort out their emotions. They want to figure that part out instead Mm -hmm. of just trying to feel better inside of the moment.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I think when we operate, um, I try to, with my clients and everything, we talk about a lot of staying in the gray. Like what's the gray area? Mm -hmm. Um, We tend to operate in extremes. I'm either all bad or I'm all good. I'm either doing great or I'm doing horrible. How can you move just one step in that direction? And I think when we've been in a low place for so long, we feel like the only solution to get out of this is to kind of go to that extreme level. So I need to be, every day I need to be walking, but I need to be running three miles. And if I'm not doing that, you know, that's not enough. Small steps can go a long way. It's the same steps. So we are more um, successful, more likely to stick with a habit if we integrate it into something that we're already doing or we um, operate in small doses. So when you think about making change, like just really thinking about it in small increments, Get comfortable with that, then do a little bit more and then do a little bit more. And then you'll look back and say, oh, wow, I've come a long way. Give yourself like the grace and that time and space to make those small changes, knowing that they're just as significant as the big ones.
1: I've learned that throughout the years is as my goals change and my desires and and my path of growth changes, my environment and the people that I spend time with the most has changed as well. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. people aren't growing in the same direction as you, and it's not a representation of love lost or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's just you're growing in a certain way. Can you talk about the importance of relationships and that support and how that really dictates your emotional well-being?
0: Yeah, we're wired for connection and how we need to connect and who we need to connect with changes as we evolve sometimes staying connected to, I won't say the wrong people, because I'm not saying some people wrong, there's some people right, Right. but staying connected to some people outside of the season to where, you know, you need to can be as detrimental as, you know, disconnecting. sometimes. I think the reason why sometimes we have a hard time with, with that aspect is we get stuck in what's familiar. Yeah. Right. If something is familiar, that doesn't all um, always mean it's functional. So yeah. because I'm familiar with this person, because I know this person, because I feel safe with this person, I know what to expect. Then I think I'm just supposed to stay connected to them.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: with growth comes sometimes discomfort. Yeah. And it's not necessarily so much about um, the person that you're connected with. It's about how connected are you with yourself. Um, and I think sometimes we focus so much on the um external that we don't really look at ourselves and say,
1: what is it that I need? Like, who do I need to be connected with in this season in my life? I think too, that it's like, you have to reestablish connections with who you are in the moment. I hate to do this to you, Yonetta. And I said, I wasn't Mm going to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. So. (laughs) I'm sure you have a lot of homegirls and I have homegirls that come to me and we decide we're going to hang out. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they start asking me fitness questions like, Ooh, how much protein should I eat? What, how many squats should I do? So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and hit you with a a personal (laughs) issue because I got a homegirl that's a therapist. Uh (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about professional grief Mm. and, um, The emotional challenges that we experience when change is introduced in our professions. And I know people who have dealt with this before because, you know, I've been doing radio as a midday host for like 20 years. And I recently decided that um, I've outgrown this, even though it's it's great money and it is exposure and the lifestyle is awesome. My soul didn't feel fed, but now I'm dealing with, you know, the emotions of the change that's coming. And I don't think that you can ever really prepare for that. Do you have clients that come to you that have these professional challenges um, or any anxiety or stress tied to their jobs?
0: Oh, for sure. All the time. I work with professionals, right? And I work with people navigating change and transition. So I love the way you frame that as professional grief. Because um, I don't think people really put grief into context as far as it's not just losing a person, you know, um, or a loved one to some, grief can show up in several ways, right? Yeah. Grief is mainly the loss and the pain and the sadness you feel when something is one way and then it's not that way the next, right? So uh-huh. it's the the change, right? Change creates grief in and of itself. Um, so when you're looking at like from what you're saying like that professional grief I always say that the goal is stabilization humans we want to feel stable we want to feel grounded we want to feel neutral we want to exhale we want to feel calm and anything that happens in our life that interferes with that ability to feel stable Uh it's going to activate us right it's going to bring up anxiety and should I be doing this I'm not sure. Is this the right move? So as you're making those changes, I think, like you said, it's really important to look at how does this feel for me? It's comfortable. It's stable. I'm good at it. It produces everything I need. It has that sense of security here, but then how does it feel here? And I feel like those things, it's okay for those things to align. Like Mm -hmm. I don't have to compromise my security, and then just kind of deal with things that don't feel good on the inside because it's secure. Mm -hmm. When you can have that balance, then that's when we're in a good place, emotionally, physically, relationally, and everything.
1: And you know, I was reading this article and it was saying how like 55% of people identify themselves through the work that they do.
0: Oh, we, we live in a, this culture is like your value is connected to what you produce, what you do, what you have, you know, and that's just ingrained in us so much that when we don't produce or when we don't have, you know, or we don't have that esteem, then that means that there's something wrong with us. People are wearing themselves out, trying to do more, have Mm -hmm. more, be more, because this society and this culture tells us That's how we assign your value.
1: I think, you know, that's like one of my biggest fears because, and I know I've shared with you and I've shared on the radio that my father passed away from COVID back in January of 2021. And, um, you know, he was already getting really old and I felt like a lot of our conversations, he was reflective. And I just remember growing up, throughout my childhood that my dad was so, so goal driven, you -hmm. know, just so like get to it. I mean, he was a loving father and he provided for me, but we didn't have a whole lot of moments. And I just remember towards his last years, he would send me emails and, and say, you know, remember that time I taught you how to drive and Mm -hmm. remember that time, you know, we lived together in California and he was really holding on to those very Mm -hmm. rare moments that we spent together You know, I think so many people have regrets. What are some things that we can do to be aware, to be more present and to really understand those things that matter and and not have to learn those lessons later on in life?
0: I think staying grounded is is so important. Right. And the quickest way we ground ourselves is just by checking in with our breath. And I think sometimes we can get so busy in the hustle and bustle and doing things that we don't just stop and ground, breathe, breathe and say like, okay, what's, what's happening around me right now? Yeah. Right. Um, And anxiety lives in the future. It wants to, what's next? What do I need to do next? Mm. Where do I need to go next? Um, And to some degree, depression is more so in the past. What I didn't do, what didn't happen. But when we are most content is when we are present. I think you asking that question is an indication that that's something that's important to you and on the forefront of your mind and mm-hmm. I think you just continue to ask yourself how can I be more present in knowing that it doesn't have to be a big to do like I don't have to plan this big event it can be but it could just be while we're sitting on the couch watching TV or while we're sitting outside how can I be more present
1: yeah so being
0: present is what do I see what do I taste what do I smell what what can I feel and touch yeah you know do you still want to be here are you fi- are you fine do you need something really um, opening up the floor to have those direct conversations can go a long way.
1: Yeah, of course, September is National Suicide Prevention Month. And I appreciate all of your insight, not only on that, but also self-care. Which I mm-hmm. think is really important um, in terms of reducing your risk for suicide. I, I wanna talk a little bit about the person on the other side, like that family member, that loved one, that friend who may have someone who uh, in their life who is depressed or experiencing suicidal thoughts. Sometimes our natural response is pray about it or it could mm-hmm. be worse. Are there certain responses that we should avoid when yeah. we're trying to be supportive? Is there a such thing as a toxic trauma response, <laughs> oh. if you will? How can we be more supportive as parents, as friends, as sisters, as brothers? I believe in the power of prayer, right? And at
0: the same time, I think it's important to ask, what is it that the person needs? Sometimes when we are in situations that are uncomfortable or that we don't feel like we have a quick fix or a solution to, and sometimes these situations aren't quick fix. Situation, yeah. But I think it starts with asking, how can I support you? What is it that you need for me? And if that person just can't formulate how they can be supported, like being observant, do you notice that they hadn't had time to cook or something? And you're like, can I bring you dinner? tonight or can I pick the kids up for you or can I do these things just kind of offering like would it you know if you know this person you kind of know what they have to do on a day-to-day basis thinking about what could be something that they might need and then asking them would you like for me to do this for you would it be okay if I brought you this sometimes we get so solution focused that we forget to be there yeah Right. And sometimes just sitting with somebody, like, don't say nothing. Just sit here with me for a minute. And I'll say yeah. something when I
1: get ready. And mm-hmm. sometimes a person needs, you were talking about like sleep, uh, proper yeah. nutrition, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sunlight. What impact is the way you sleep, the way you eat, you know, the way you move your body? How does that impact your mood?
0: Yeah, significantly. So I'm, I'm like an earth sign. So I love the earth and the sun, you know, you got flowers everywhere or whatever. But I feel yes. like we are as humans, we are not, like plants. You know, we need sun, we need water. Those are things that we need to like live. And movement is so vital to our health, our mental health, our, our physical health, our body. You know, we're designed to move. Anything that's stagnant, that's kind of where I see like illness, infection, and things yeah. like that. When it's like, you know, if you think about water that's stagnant. Right. Versus water that's fresh is water that's moving. We get so many um, like physical like hormones and endorphins and, you know, a lot of the things that come through substance, you know, is found through like movement. Our bodies can naturally produce a lot of what we need to feel better Mm -hmm. um, just by going on a walk Um, with EMDR therapy. One thing we use to help process the trauma is um, bilateral stimulation. Uh-huh. And basically what that means is we activate the left side of the body, the right side of the body, left hemisphere of the brain, right hemisphere of the brain. So when we activate both hemispheres of the brain, then it allows the whole brain to kind of uh, function and process the event. If you've ever been upset about something and uh, like went for a run and went for a walk and then you come back and you like, I'm good. Where I have like, oh, I figured that out just by going for a walk. That's how we're naturally wired to process trauma, pain experiences. It just helps us to process. So those activities like moving that left and right side really helps us to our brain to integrate and process whatever it is that we're dealing with or struggling with. So yeah. we can start there and see huge progress just by going on a walk
1: Yeah,
0: dancing, moving from side to side that can activate that left and right hemisphere and help us to process. Yeah, twerking, mm-hmm.
1: left cheek, right twerking, cheek. Yeah, you know? left cheek, right <laughs> cheek. <laughs> All twerking of it. is the answer <laughs> for everything, girl. Twerking
0: is the answer. It is the answer. And that's, you know, when you think about it, it's cultural, right? That's how our ancestors have been yep. moving for centuries. And then we put a name on it and say, oh, this is this, but this is how we've been healing for years, right? Yep. So kind of tapping into some of those things and knowing that everything we need is within us and it's around us. And we just got to tap into it and find it.
1: And shake your mm-hmm. booty, get in touch with your ancestral energy and you feel better. <laughs> yes, Y'all ma'am. that stuff right on out. <laughs> I love that so much. Yonetta, you are so passionate and knowledgeable. It's, it's like you were born to freaking oh. do this. I just feel your energy. You know, I follow you on social media and you're just so into it. I mean, this is truly... Yeah your calling. I do have a question for you. And I've always wondered this about therapists and people who Mm -hmm. are, you know, are in that whole self-help and empowerment type of world. What do you do for self-care? Because I can imagine there may be times when you feel overwhelmed or you experience depression or anxiety. And then, you know, you have those scientific methods to deal with that stress or that anxiety. Does it always work on you? And and what do you do for self-care?
0: Yeah. It work when you work it. Um, So (laughs) we're human, right? I always say I'm a human. I'm a therapist, but I'm a human, you know? And um, I have to stay. I think the thing about being a therapist and and looking into self-care is like, we know what works, but you still have to be intentional about making time for it and making it a priority and actually engaging in it, you know? So there are times when I'll go and I'll work and I won't I'll be like, dude, that's mine. And then I'm like, you know, step back. So I always say, check in before you check out. Now you got to check in. What do you need to do? And because I've been doing this for so long, I know what I need to recharge. So I can access that very quickly. Like if I'm down, okay, I need to go outside. I need to be around some trees and go for a walk, or I need to get into nature. My morning walks help set my day. Go have a drink with some friends. Like I know, you know, so when you build a relationship with yourself, almost like a mother knows her, the cry of her child. Like mm-hmm. she tired. Mm-hmm. That's she just, she's sleepy. She need a nap. That's what she need. So it's like building that relationship with yourself where I know my cries. I know, I know what I need. You need connection. You need a nap. You need to go eat. You need to get yeah. somewhere for now. That's what you need. Right. So it's just like building that relationship with yourself.
1: Oh, I love that so much, building that relationship with yourself. You know, that's one thing that I've learned is like, "Mm, my stomach is bubbling, girl, why did you eat that? Or, oh, you got a headache, girl, lay down. Mm -hmm. It's just like, how would you rate your relationship with yourself? I really appreciate that so much. Um, Now, Yunetta, I know that you are a therapist, counselor, like you do amazing things and you work with clients. One thing that makes me really sad when it comes to mental health, and I know we're trying to get better at this, is that when I had my issue... With my professional grief and coming to the conclusion and in, in the decision that I made about my career, I signed up for therapy and um, it was, you know, it was, it wasn't cheap. What are some things that people can do, you know, if they can't afford therapy, um, daily self-care practices. And I know you have some great resources that you have available as well. In addition to booking sessions with you, what can we do in our every day to practice self-care, especially for those who can't afford therapy?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you asked that. So some people can't afford it. Some people just can't, ain't buying into it. Mm -hmm. Some people have had bad experiences in therapy and they're like, no, I'm not going to do that again. Um, So for whatever reason, you know, everybody has to, I believe that we should be able to meet people wherever they are to, until they get to what they need, you know, and knowing there's multiple ways of healing, it doesn't have to happen in a therapeutic space or settings. So I created the um take the struggle out of self-care. It's a six weeks to create your self-care strategy workbook. Mm-hmm. And now it's specifically for people who, you know, may not want to go to therapy or want, may want to add something extra to their therapy process because it was stuff that I was talking with with my clients, like um, because I see a lot of first time therapy folks. So yeah. These, you know, black folks who like, I've been thinking about it. I keep hearing I need to go, but when I saw you, I said I could talk to her. Like I get, yeah, I I love that. Yeah, you know, I get a lot of those people, but I find that like the first part of our therapy process is kind of just going through these things, foundational things, like how do you feel? Do you know what a feeling is? How do you identify your feelings? Because we are so illiterate as it relates to recognizing our feelings that's no knock on us that's culturally how we're brought up we weren't you know we didn't have freedom or space to feel feeling could get us killed in some cases you know yeah yeah i'm um, so really helping t- people to hone in on those foundational things of how to know how i take care of myself how i feel so that's why i created that workbook um, just to start that process and knowing that we all have something that we do that helps us feel better, feel grounded, feel neutral, feel calm. So yeah. I feel like when people come to me, I'm like, I am not the expert of your life. Right. You are the expert of your life. You got yourself to this point. I need to know what you've been doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how did you get to this point? And I'm just going to take what you've already been doing and we're going to tweak it. We're going to expand it. We're going to bring it back to your attention so you can recognize Hey, I have been doing this. Hey, I did overcome this on my own. And sometimes people have the space to recognize the resilience and the strength and the power that they already have.
1: It's interesting because I fell into the whole stigma of therapy. I'm like, ain't nothing wrong with me. I ain't crazy. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, because especially with black people, you kind of think that oh, something wrong with your head. or You're not emotionally well, and they mm-hmm. associate going to therapy with
0: being broken. Yeah, it's like being before. broken, and
1: you're not strong enough. And mm-hmm. you know, when I finally went, I was just like, gosh, I should have been doing this for so long. Because with therapy, what I found is that the therapist doesn't tell you what to do. They help you figure mm-hmm. it out. you know yeah they help you find the solutions and they pull it out of you and and that's definitely something that I look for uh in a therapist so Mm -hmm. uh, I just want to commend you for that yeah Yeah.
0: thank you yeah we heal when we're authentic I can't heal the the play version of you yeah like we can not heal that version of you because it's not authentic so when you can show up as your real authentic self and be honest I always tell my clients I want to hear the stuff you think about but don't say out loud Mm -hmm. because that's where where it's at. I don't want that watered down version of you. And I feel like as a therapist, I can only take my clients as far as I'm willing to go myself. So I have to show up authentically for them to to give them room and space to do the same. That's how we heal when we're in the light, when we're authentic. So Mm -hmm. another thing I created too was the, um, the Groundbreakers is my coaching and consulting business. Mm-hmm. And with, it, with Groundbreakers, I'm building a therapy directory for BIPOC, which is the Black, Indigenous, people of color um, therapists that are trained and specialize in EMDR. Right? That's so awesome. You can go on that yeah. directory and find somebody that understands your culture, that looks like you, that may speak your language because if I got to go through all of that before I can even get
1: to my trauma, then we probably may not even get to it. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yonetta Spring, you are so awesome. And this insight has been so helpful, Mm -hmm. not only to me, but I'm sure to everybody watching and listening. And so my body and business is a whole lot about actionable insight. Give us some homework. Give us three things that we need to do in order Mm -hmm. to prevent depression, to deal with depression, to practice better Mm self-care and to be emotionally well. What do you say? What would you say are, are three things that we need to do?
0: Yes. Okay. So three things. I would say your breath is your life. Throughout the day, just checking in with your breath, seeing how you're breathing. If we're breathing from our chest and it's shallow, then that's most likely activating our trauma and stress response. But when we breathe from our diaphragm, from our belly, that's telling our body, yo, we good. Everything fine. You cool. Mm-hmm. Everything's mm-hmm. So we are sending a message with our body. Our body is constantly communicating with, with our brain and interpreting what's happening. So checking in with your breath. You want your breaths to be big, expansive, deep. First is checking in with your breath. Second is checking in with your body. Do you feel tense? Anything tight, clenched? If it's clenched, you're sending a message to your brain that stuff ain't right. When you check in with your breath, making sure you're breathing big and deep, and then checking in with your body and making sure it's loose. I'm over here, Back. like, like yeah. am I sitting like, up straight. Am I, I <laughs> slashed over?
1: That's what <laughs> I do. I uh, like, yeah, you just gotta gotta do shimmy and shake it off.
0: You okay, <laughs> shimmy and shake it <laughs> off or whatever. Because you know when something happens and somebody walking around and you this up. Like you re- like you can get it. I ain't no killer, but don't push me. Okay? I know, girl, I, I started <laughs>
1: bunk, girl. Okay. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> So that's the main thing. Checking in with your breath, checking in with your body, and then giving yourself permission to feel how you feel. You don't have to justify it. You don't have to minimize it. If it's there, then it's there for a reason and i think giving yourself grace and compassion to feel exactly how you feel when you feel it i think those are the three things that i would say we can all uh, benefit from doing
1: and I love that they're all practical and everybody can do them right now. Like you don't gotta, mm-hmm. you ain't gotta read no book. You, you, you don't have to do anything strenuous physically. It's just mm-hmm. all about awareness. So thank you so much mm-hmm. for that, mm-hmm. Um, So tell me, how can folks keep in touch with you, follow you on social media? I know people that may be interested in getting with you in terms of taking advantage of your services, all of mm-hmm. that contact information.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you can find me on social at Yanetta Spring. So I've been working on this because I got... 12,000 businesses and yeah. people get <laughs> So, Yonetta Spring is the main funnel. You can find me there, yonettaspring.com. If you go to yonettaspring.com, it's going to give you access to Springforth Counseling, which is my therapy practice and Groundbreakers Coaching and Consulting, which is where I support therapists and the directory is housed there. Um, And I'm on TikTok doing stuff. I got a couple of dances and stuff on there though.
1: Yes, (laughs) I love it. I love (laughs) it.
0: Because I think it's important to laugh and be funny and move and stuff. Yeah, so you can, and my book is on Amazon, Take the Struggle Out of Self-Care, the workbook. You could find it there, but Yonetta Spring is my
1: social and yonettaspring.com. That'll get you where you need to go. Thank you for having me. Truly a pleasure, Yonetta. Thank you again for this conversation. Such helpful resources and really great insight. It definitely blessed me, and I'm hoping that whoever's listening to this episode feels the same way. Again, stay connected with Yonetta, and you can join the conversation on Instagram at MBBpod, and if you have a tell-me-more question, you can DM me there as well. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Mind, Body, and Business. Thank you so much for spending this time with me I look forward to continuing these empowering conversations. I'll catch you on the next episode of Mind, Body, and Business. Mind, Body, and Business with Maria Moore is an Urban One Incorporated Reach Media production. Hosted by Maria Moore. Follow me at Maria Moore on all socials. Executive produced by Maria Moore. Supervisory podcast producer, Colby Culp-Tyner. Sales partnerships, Sam Tatum. Integrated marketing and partnerships, Lori Flowers, Laura Lopez, and Brittany Jackson. Digital marketing, J.R. Davis and Tim Hall. Thank you for listening to the Mind, Body, and Business podcast. Mind, Mind. Mind. body, and Mind.